This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. I regret to inform you, you're on Chapel Probation, a podcast that takes a critical look at evangelical colleges and universities, particularly Azusa Pacific University, where I taught English for 15 years. I'm Scott Okamoto, and I'm writing a book about my experience deconstructing all the way to agnostic atheism while teaching at APU. Technical note, I apologize for the quality of sound of my voice during the interview in this episode. I made a rookie mistake, and instead of using the sound from the pristine microphone and preamp you're listening to now, uh, I used the sound from my laptop microphone, which was a little bit further away than normal. So it's terrible. The sound in the interview is terrible. It's embarrassing, but the show must go on. Dan sounds amazing, and he should. He is a podcast master with his show Profane Faith. So, because this episode sounds kind of like Dan interviewing me while I'm on the phone, maybe just imagine it's an episode of Profane Faith. Or it's a crossover episode of Chapel Probation and Profane Faith. Or I'm just an idiot who fucked up the sound. Whatever works for you. This episode is significant because it's the first faculty interview And it's pretty amazing. I've said many times that my time at APU was really hard. And and especially looking back at it, it's just like, I can't believe we went through that. And Dan had a very similar experience. um, And in many ways, much worse than my own. It's not a contest, of course, but if it were, I think Dan would win. And that's saying something. I couldn't remember during our talk uh, how we met. But then I remembered... Later, it, w- it was Sammy Howell, who, who was a guest on this podcast, who was a student of Dan's and basically said, you, you got to meet this guy. He's amazing. So I reached out and I remember we had coffee and I immediately asked him to come speak to uh, the Apostle Club, um, which was very nice of him, you know, to, to take a night out during the week to come speak to the Asian kids. And he came and talked about his story growing up and eventually taking part in the L.A. riots. His story was damning of police and anti-black Asians, and rightly so. It freaked the Apostle kids out, and I was not sorry. And as I mentioned, Dan has an amazing podcast called Profane Faith, and I was a guest back in 2020, I believe, and I'm just so glad we've kept in touch through the years. Well, uh, yes, Daniel White Hodge, uh, PhD for a while now, uh, if, if that even matters anymore, pronouns he, him, his, um, identify ethnically as African-American, Mexican-American, racially black, um, cishet, I've been married now for 20 years, we're working on our 21st year, one kid, mm-hmm. um, I know, it's hard to believe, I'm like, wow, I, I was, oof, gee whiz, it hasn't been that long, huh, but um, out here in Chicago, I'm a professor, and um, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of that in a, in in a in a real small nutshell. I've been an author, I've uh, written you know stuff. Although the pandemic, I've been in, in a drought of, of writing. I haven't had any inspiration whatsoever. But you got a badass podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Profane faith. I'm thankful for that. Thank you for that as well. The shout out. Um, yeah, it's been 
Well, we started 2017, and uh, this was right after about a year into the the Trump election, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta get something going. Um, and it's been a great outlet. Uh, I love having guests. You yourself were on there as yeah, well. It was I great was honored to be you. on. Yes, absolutely. And it's, I love all the parts of it. Like I love the self hosting. I love the editing. I love interviewing folks and talking with them. And so, uh, it's been a real hoot, man. Season six, I guess if if we're doing seasons, that's that's what yeah. I, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, and it's it's amazing the conversations that you have, the openness of of yourself and your guests was an inspiration for me to, to try and oh man dip my toe into the podcasting. I was having FOMO. I was like the only one that didn't have a podcast. So. <laughs> right. Right. That's the way I felt too, man. I was like, wait, I need to get something out there. Come on now. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm glad yours is out there though. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for coming on. Um, so you're here because you taught at Azusa Pacific. Oh, yeah. And – so what do you remember what year you came in and can you maybe mm-hmm. talk about how what your um, initial experiences were as you came in? Absolutely. I was there from 2004 to uh, 2011 um, and I started in the global studies. I guess now it's not even anymore. Um, yeah, I think, but, uh, think it got cut. Yeah. Yeah. So I started in the global studies department um, and, you know, I, I think. I define that time is probably one of the, the the worst times of teaching at a private Christian institution um, only because I think for a long time I took schools like APU um, for, 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 for what they were saying in terms of, oh, we want to be multi-ethnic. Oh, we want to be yeah. this. Oh, we want to be that. And so I was always under the impression that that is kind of where they wanted to go. So, you know, I started thinking, like, you know, like, oh, okay, this is a place that maybe I can hang my hat. It's local. They talk about how they want, you know, POC folks here. Well, that's me. Uh, I've got a degrees. I've got experience in ministry. This is exactly what it is. And just to clarify here, APU and most evangelical schools proclaim their commitment to diversity air quotes around diversity. What Dan and I quickly realized is that by diversity, those places mean a white majority, happy, smiling, surrounded by people of all races, just not too many of them, all worshiping whiteness, white Jesus, and clamoring to emulate white conservative evangelical culture. That's that's how I see it. The only acceptable deviation from this whiteness is what Dan refers to as the performative black pastor with gospel vibes. But even that may not be acceptable. I write in my book about white students often complaining that APU Chapel was getting too gospely or too black. Those fuckers. I think the challenge was, well, it was a lot of different things. I mean, I think some of the best stories that I have about racism come from that school and teaching in that department. Conversely, some of the best relationships that I have that were former students, uh, now I we're all like you know grown folk now and have come out of that environment, and so that you know what I'm saying. I mean, so it's this kind of interesting, um, how can I put it? This is interesting stew, if you will, uh, because yeah. on one end it tastes really really bad, but then on the other end I'm like, well, but I wouldn't <laughs> have met folks like yourself, uh, Sammy Howe. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't have yeah. met folks that have gone on and done great things and, and continue to, you know, just inspire me. And 
Um, I, you know, I can't take that away. I mean, I think the challenge was just me initially believing, and it really wasn't until I forget his name. I remember I sat down with him because there was there were two open positions, uh, one in the School of Theology uh, and one in Global Studies. And I'm forgetting the guy's name. He's an older white cat, been around there for a long time. And, you know, he and I mean, he just said it. He's just like, you know, you're just not APU material, Dan. Um, and I was oh, like, shit. yeah, I was like, oh, oh, OK. You know, I appreciate the honesty, bro. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's uh, a lot of layers there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. You call it a steel. I, I've been calling it a crucible. There you go. That <laughs> we yeah, there forged you go. in the fire, and that's <laughs> I think that's why we're all like so tight even to this day. And we, like, yep, there's, it's it's like a badge of honor. We survived it. We came out okay. We and we moved on. But yeah, so in that sense, our experiences are similar to the students that I've been talking to. Yeah, who, who most of them don't regret. Well, they regret a lot of it, but they don't regret going and going through that. And it made them who they are today, for better and for worse. Um, so, so yeah. Dan and I came to APU in good faith that if we played nice and followed the rules, we could have a home there. But it became clear quickly that playing nice would mean denying our own humanity. Students and faculty said horribly racist shit to us. Playing nice meant we were supposed to say nothing and have grace and forgiveness. For both of us, well, no, fuck that. I mean, at the beginning, I think I was trying to play nice. Um, right, me too. It, you, right, you know what I'm saying? This is like, okay, yeah, great opportunity, yay, you know, I'm here. But I think once I started getting involved and engaged with, you know, particularly white students, um, it just became more and more, you know, apparent that, okay, First of all, at, the, at least at the time, everyone had to take intercultural communication. It was required. So everyone, whether you was a mm. math major, nursing, didn't matter, everybody had to come through that class. And so there was a lesion of us adjuncts uh, that were teaching it. Um, and I got a story with that as well, but I'll, I'll get back to that Ooh, in, yeah, in, in yeah. a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, it, you know, and it, it, I, I remember this one student because, you know, we're in L.A. There's, you know, the, the culture of L.A. and everything. And there's one student, female, white, blonde. Um, and I remember, you know, she just just turning in like shit. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know if y'all be using. I think y'all use four letter words on here. I don't, I don't want to be too. All the time. OK. Yeah, yeah no, let it, just let it fly. Just, uh, excellent. Just, uh, <laughs> excellent. That's I, what I, I put that explicit tag on. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. That's what I do on mine. I like explicit. Bro. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, she was. Yeah, she was just turning in shit work. And I was just like, yeah, this is this is shit. D D work. And, you know, she was pissed. She was like, I've never ever had a professor grade me lower than a B plus in my class. And he was just got going on. I was just like, wow. I said, when you turn in B plus work, I will be more than happy. And then she just like went off. You fucking this now, now, now. And she got stopped. It just, she stopped right short of saying nigger. Right. And I was like, Whoa. oh, okay. I'm just going to let you do that. That's you, you do what you got to do. So I got a hold of my department chair at the time. And I was just like, Hey, this is what happened. I documented the whole thing. Um, and I was like, you know, can I'd like to set up a meeting with you and the student just so we can all be in there. And I remember him saying, like, well, what, why do you need me to be in that meeting? I don't, I don't know why I need oh, yeah. to be in there. And I was just like, well, did you not, like, read what I just sent you? Like, 
this, you know, this was like an accident and it was witnessed by, well, the whole class, you know? So oh, man. He, and begrudgingly, he met with me. And I remember just sitting in that meeting. And of course, she came all primmed and prepped and was like, I'm sorry, Dr. Hodge. You know, and her excuse, her excuse was, I thought that's how you would understand me better. But like, what the fuck? And I remember sitting there thinking like, what, wait, what? And the, the, the chair was just like, I mean, he, he was just like a wet, a wet noodle, man. He was just, he didn't know what yeah. the fuck to do. Um, yeah. so I left, remember leaving that meeting thinking, okay, I have no institutional support. And it was at that point that I was just like, man, fuck playing by the rules, man. And um, I remember I got invited to chapel the first and ever time I got invited to chapel. Um, and, you know, and I just went in, right? I'm talking about shit and I'm going in. And I remember, you know, all hell broke loose after that. I was just like, I did it. And then students were like, oh, you, you know, well, the, the three or four students, there was a ton of them were like, oh my God, I got to take your class. Like my classes were never yeah. empty. I was, they was packed. Yeah. I'm signing yeah, people yeah. away. Um, oh, yeah, the, I, I heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> right. But the three or four that could make noise did. Right. Like the ones that said, oh, right. well, you know, the library was named after my grandpappy. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. So then I get a call from one of the co-pastor chaplains or something literally asking me like, hey, um, so chapel. Yeah. Well, you know, we're having some fallout with that. And we're wondering <laughs> would you be open to talking to any of the parents and everything? And I was like, first of all, I was just like, wait a minute. Wait, are we back in Middle high school? school? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, what are we back in high school? I was like, no, I said, I ain't talking to anybody. I'll tell you that right yeah. now. I said, I, I, I talked to a bunch of adults. If they, if the students have issues, I'll talk with them. Sure. I was like, yeah. but of course no one, you know, no one, no one who had an issue, a student came, yeah. came to me. It was all these, you know, these parents and stuff. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. Um, you know, that was at that point, it was just like, oh, this this Negro is, you know, too, too wide and loud. And there were a couple of other I'm not going to name any names. There were a couple of other black part time faculty members that were beloved uh, at that school. And mainly because they did the black church thing. Right. The hey, ooh, you know, it's like, hey, you know, all that shit that white people believe that we as black folk do right you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah um hooping and hollering it's like the scene off the blues brothers where james brown is singing in the church and people are <laughs> running around and jumping and flipping it in the air and stuff that was you know and i i just did not fit that stereotype and shit man so anyways that was one and like i said i got a thousand stories about that my time there it was like it, it was like shit that you think no no they didn't say right? that yeah yeah, yeah. People say it. that's that's probably why I didn't want to write a book because it's just like <laughs> everyone's like that. That couldn't have really happened. Right, right. So, so you and I have a similar experience because I, when I got asked to speak in chapel, I didn't get as as much blowback, but I got some because I didn't. I I mentioned my LGBTQ friends oh, at, in a positive manner. Oh, right. And so they had some meetings apparently, but they didn't ask me to to talk to anybody. So when they ask you to talk to the parents, really they're asking you to talk to the paying customers. Right, right, <laughs> right. right. This right. customer is not satisfied. Well, they're not satisfied with the, 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 the return on their investment. So can you, yeah. can you sue Paying some a lot of over? money so they have the right to. It's worth pointing out, Dan and I were very popular professors, humble brag. We had long wait lists for all of our classes, especially after we spoke in chapel. It was common for us to have 15, 20 students 
trying to crash our classes, with students lining the halls outside our classrooms or sitting on the floor at the back. Students begged and pleaded for us to let them in. I'm sure it's the same for Dan, but one year, my chairperson told me I was listed as one of the top recruiters of English majors from students who took my freshman-level writing and literature classes. We were good at what we did. And the school fucked us. Well, I remember I had another colleague again. I will not, I will, it will remain nameless at this point, but I was in uh, the same I'm department. a trying guest, but... Right, <laughs> exactly. She was touted as one of the more, you know, liberal faculty members there. And, you know, she she said all the right things. I don't know what relationship Azusa had with um, some of the neighboring schools. But anyways, there, there was this it was when like some of the neighboring schools would come and basically do like a college day. Um, yeah. And I remember when they wrote me into one of those and everything, because was just like there's a lot of black students on campus. Like, can you come? Yeah, Professor yeah. Hodge. And I was like, all right. All right. And I remember I was doing it with her. These are high school kids. These are high school kids, right? Yeah, yeah. I got roped into coming to those two. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. I finally had to put my foot down with the university I'm at now. I stopped going. Yeah, I was like, nah, nah, nah. Not going to use me to make it look like there's diversity. Right, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Um, And I remember we were in that uh, auditorium in the well, well, I guess it was the School of Business at the time. Uh, It might still Mm. be. And um, you know, we were in there, and it was probably about 120 kids or so like that. You know, and I'm I'm doing what I do. It's like I've been around kids like this all my life. I was one of these kids and stuff. And I remember seeing her and she was like a nervous wreck. And she like got stage fright and everything. And I was like, the hell's the matter with you? Like, and later she at least outed herself and was just like, I'm I, I'm I'm ashamed of myself. She was, she's like, you know, this is the this I was so nervous being around this many ethnic minority students and really black and brown students um, that I didn't know what to do. And she said, I got to, she said, I got to figure this out because this is the stuff that I talk about. And she said, and here I was in a room literally freezing up. And I'm like, you know, I led the whole thing, right? Like I ended up doing the whole thing. And I'm just like, I should be getting a raise for this shit right now, boy. Right. Um, But that was kind of the, the way, right? It was like, you tend to have these kind of white progressives, that are that are really removed. I remember when I was doing LA term, and you know, which was kind of a real sore spot oh. <laughs> for the yeah. university, right? Um, because yeah. you know, you got these radicalized liberals now coming up on campus. And I remember that time that one of the um was it one of the I think it was the provost, uh was uh his daughter was basically like, you know, we're gonna protest you for this illegal land by uh, uh acquirement, you know, back when they were buying the um the drive-in that's next to the, the drive-in. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, that was the, the protest was led by an LA term student. So I remember the pro was like, well, what are y'all teaching over there in that department and everything? And, but it's funny because it's like, again, I still keep in contact with a lot of those students, but at the same time, there was a sense that a lot of the white students that, and I don't have any numbers. This is anecdotal, but a lot of the white students yeah. that I used to follow, that followed me on Facebook, uh, when Trump came around to be president, they ended up voting. These are the same students that went to L.A. term and like, oh, yeah, down what? with the patriarchy. And, oh, you know, this redlining and all this stuff. And I it, it just it blew my mind. It blew my mind and stuff, man. I had most of them ended up, you know, not following me or blocking me. I had another student who was like questioning me on the day, you know, he got elected or Trump got elected. And she was like, why are you being so hateful? You're just hateful. You know, you really need to repent, you know. <laughs> I got that too. Divisive. That's yes. what I was called. 
Yes. Just bring up, bring up race at all, and you're being divisive. Divisive, at, right? At, at AT, you're, you're hurting the community. You're, you're not building. Right. Um, right. So wait, you're saying that the LA term, some of the white kids that went to LA term became Trump supporters? Big time. Big time, man. That blows my mind because, you know, I had, I felt like LA term was like a double-edged sword at Absolutely. APU, and, and only because it's at APU. I, I totally loved the idea that they went and got their minds blown and, and their whole worldview is turned upside down. Yep. Totally love that. But some of those came, kids came back pretty damn annoying, man. It's just like <laughs> they, <laughs> you had, I had, they, they were like policing like my language and what I was saying. And, and, um, and it was just like, okay, <laughs> I, calm down. I think you misheard what I just said, but, um, right. Yes. They, they were just, they were hearing, you know, and, and I'm all for people pushing back at me. Absolutely, of but, course. You know, course. I feel like they were these kids were just looking for every reason to be pissed at something. Yeah. Um, because because this they're they're raw from the L.A. term, which is great. Like so, I was I had a soft spot for them, and I loved having my them in my classes because they would push back at the obvious racism and, and patriarchy and. Yep. Um, so. Yeah, but it was it was funny. Some of them was like, "Okay, let's dial it, let's dial that down a little bit and, and right. converse right. instead exactly. of screaming at each other." Um, exactly, so yeah, exactly. No, I had a student same way. She came in, she was just like, "I don't remember this," and I was like, "Whoa, slow your horses there! You all but <laughs> twenty one years of your life that you just yeah, found yeah. out about." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was there was a Columbusing aspect to it, right? It right. Like, these kids took ownership of this and they were the ones that were going to bring it back to the, to us unwashed masses at APU <laughs> right? on the mothership. Oh my God. Um, exactly. Uh, most, most of them got over it. You know, it's just a period of, of their development, but, and I'm glad, yeah. you know, like I said, at the end of the day, I was glad they, they went through that. Um, yeah. yeah they no, were, they I, came back angry. They did. And you know, and some went on to do some things, you know, and, and, you know, others got depressed and just kind of crawled into a hole and stuff. I don't, Having looked back on that and thinking about, you know, similar programs, we have a similar one at, at where I'm at now. It, you know, the 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 bring back, uh, you know, when you bring people back on campus and, you know, because this idea, it was a it was a pedagogical like, you know, dreamland. Right. You're taking one class every five yeah. weeks and like you're you know taking in this material, you're engaged in the city. And then all of a sudden now you got to be back in class back in Bible yeah. class, now you're forced to go to chapel again and stuff, man, which was yeah, yeah. always a fist-to-cuff fight. Um, yeah, and the contrast between the two settings could not be greater, oh right? Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. No, I remember I tried to teach for that program, and, again, somebody from the School of Theology, they were trying to do all this outreach work, and they were trying to set up a campus in South Central somewhere, you know, right around Compton, Watts. And I was like, all right, right I'll entertain it. And I remember they were like, okay, we're going to hire you. We're going to hire you. And I remember my spouse saying, like, how much are they going to pay you? Ask them how yeah. much they're going to pay you. Because, that, you know, I was just excited. I was like, shit, I, got, I can get full-time work. And it's great. We don't have to move. And I remember yeah. pressing them. And they, they were like, you can start on Monday. It was Friday. And I sent an email. Whoa. And I was just like... Hey, I haven't heard back from y'all in the last like week and a half. I just got to say, I, I I won't be showing up on Monday until I hear what the pay package is. You know what they was going to pay me? This was like full-time work out there yeah. recruiting, working with churches. They was going to pay yeah. me $18,000 a year. What? 
$15,000 a year. Uh, and I was like, the, yeah, no. You know, students thought, when I talked to students, they assumed we professors were wealthy. Right. Did you, did you ever hear that? Oh, yeah, all the and time. I would have to say, uh, you should see the cars we're driving and the places we're living and, you know, like, it, it was a, you know, because they see all the building going on. They, right. they see all the nice technology and, and they see, you know, the, the administration lot. <laughs> Is right, some some fancy cars in in there. Right, right. That it did not t- trickle down to the faculty for sure. Well, and you know, and I know there's the stereotype that you know the more education you have, the more money you're making, and you know, so right, a lot of people think, oh, wow, you got your PhD, man. What are you complaining about? And it's like, well, actually, mm-hmm. we're we're one of the lowest mm-hmm. paying schools in 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 Los Angeles County right now, man. Like, oh yeah, for sure. When I finally went and got paid, like, uh, uh like I remember USC paid. At the time, it was like $8,500 a class. $8,500 a class. That was like one, two, three, almost three and a half classes at three Azusa. Three adjunct classes right. at APU, yeah. Right. <laughs> Man, so you got hired at USC also? Because I got hired at USC the year they off- the APU offered me full-time, and I stupidly took the APU full-time job oh. instead of the, the part-time at USC. I was part-time. at, at just I just taught in Annenberg School of uh, Communication for – a hot minute. And uh, that mm. was that was yeah, that was quick. Um, but I was at Cal State L.A. for a long time as well. All these places mm. were all part time for me. And, you know, they paid pretty yeah. decently. Cal State Northridge paid me, yeah. I think, seven grand a class. Um, yeah. And they had a program that if you were there a year teaching the following year, you were offered a one year contract with benefits, not a, not a tenure track, but you were at least given a one yeah. year contract yeah. with like an office. Uh, you know, you guys like a full timer and. and um yeah, it, it. Uh, I I ended up having to move before any of that stuff came to fruition, just because you know all the all the work was drying up at the time. This was right around the Great Depression of two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and stuff. Yeah, you should know. Uh, APU at the time paid adjuncts around twenty five hundred dollars per class. A full load of teaching for adjuncts is like five classes a year. Do some basic math, carry the three. So yeah, you got paid shit. Um. $2,500 times five at the max is not a living wage, not even close. And that compared to other schools in the area paying um, double to three times the amount. Uh, yeah. We live in an era of unprecedented access to information, news, and media. But what happens when all that information leads you to suddenly realize you spent the majority of your childhood in a cult? Well, we can tell you. Join me, Jessica Goforth, and Kathleen Reynolds as we take you into the world of cult recovery after all the emotional, psychological, financial, and sexual abuse we experienced as part of Bill Gothard's Advanced Training Institute. On our podcast called Leaving the Village, we talk candidly about our journey out and interview other survivors whose experiences will boggle your mind. We also cover breaking news as scandals continue to rock the twisted world of IBLP. Subscribe to Leaving the Village today so you don't miss a single episode. Now, here's one thing Dan and I both noticed. The school basically uses BIPOC faculty and staff from outside of America to pad their numbers and secure their conservative values. They're like, see, the black and Asian professors from Africa and Asia 
also don't see racism anywhere. So why why do you? Indeed. I know it's something that places like Fuller and other seminaries do a lot, mm -hmm. right? They'll go out and they'll get these like first gen ethnic ethnic immigrant you know minorities and and particularly Africans. I mean, this is what Fuller did when they hired the first one of the um um, I mean, they're African-American studies director. I mean, I, I know Dwight is there now and he's doing a good job, but that's the first in like literally 21 years. My entire time at Fuller, there was no African-American studies director. And if they'd find somebody, they wouldn't get it. They finally hired this this cat. I forget where he was from, Nigeria or something like that. But he didn't know the culture. He didn't know the terrain. He didn't understand yeah. that. Right. So it was like this complete and utter flop. Meanwhile, they're trying to say, hey, look, see, we got color. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, and that's why I brought you up. Not to say nothing bad about any of the African professors. Oh, of course. They were, I'm not. It was not mean to imply that, but I was just like, is there something about, you know, is there a prejudice against African American as opposed to the? Because so there were a bunch of like Asian like countries represented. Like there was a couple of professors from Korea and China. Yeah. Um. And and those professors were very um, pliable, <laughs> yeah, um, malleable. Um, they didn't push back on anything. They didn't, uh, and so I, I felt like I was always compared to that. Like I, I didn't just accept everything as it was. And so um, I don't know. Is it is it similar with with the African versus African American thing, or am I just digging too far? There? No, no, you're not digging too far. It's it's absolutely the case. I mean, it's it's easier. Right. To hire somebody. Right. And then to say, hey, we got and this is across the board. These are like white churches would do this to white mega churches would do this and they'll bring in. Right. And you think, oh, wow, this is a person of color and stuff. But yeah. more often than not, that person's going to fall flat on their face because, again, it's 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 placing somebody who, again, doesn't know the terrain. Yeah. No disrespect. But a lot of times these folks come highly and heavily colonized to white evangelical theology. Um, and then when you get somebody talking about a James Cone or, a, uh, um, you know, womanist theology and whatnot, and they're going to be like, oh, my gosh. Right. They're very patriarchal in that sense. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. there's a sense that, you know, women shouldn't be doing this. And so all of a sudden you're going to have this this head on crash. And, you know, I mean, it's happening in my institution right now. Right. It's like the folks are just hiring us like, hey, look, we got this color. And they don't right. know what I mean. And again, no disrespect to them, but they right. do not exactly. understand the history and significance. At the end of the day, they have a country they can go back to, whereas African-Americans in this country. Right. right. Is that kind of that lost soul that W. DeBoz talks about. Right. And um, yes. So, yes, there there is a sense of displacement and there is a sense of like it's an it's a it's it's a workaround that a lot of white institutions do. Um, and it's not just yeah. with Africans, right? It's like when I was at Fuller's right. too, man, they did the same thing with Koreans. They, they ain't going to hire nobody yeah. locally Korean. No, we're going right. to go to South Korea and bring the Koreans over here, you know what yeah. I'm saying, and try to, like, integrate somehow. Yeah. Uh, same thing with yeah, the— Yeah, so you're seeing go ahead. what I'm seeing. It's like it's like there's a there's a reason, there's a method to this. That, yeah. To, to, so you get your diversity numbers, but you don't have to deal with— uh, liberation theology or, or, you know, colonization or post-colonial theology. Right. You're getting people who are very conservative. Right. And God, and God bless them. And there's a place for them, obviously at, at a, in a university, but if it, you can't help but think, oh man, I'm not going to give the school the benefit of the doubt here. This, this was on purpose to, Absolutely. 
to sort of limit the the power of, of the the people groups, the marginalized people groups. Absolutely. Any white run organization, I don't I don't give the benefit of the doubt. Um well they mm-hmm. we're way past that. Um and you know, for me it's it's more about looking at the results and looking looking at and then looking at the history. Like, you know, my provost tried to step to me and be like, Hey, well let's talk and vision your department. I was like, No, nah, look, look, no disrespect, but you the third white man sitting in that position right there. You know? Yeah. And um you don't really, you know, no disrespect, but you don't really know what I've been through and, and right. my experience and my story. Um, whether you yeah. want to do that, well, you know, that'll play out and we'll see, but I'm done talking. Like I want yeah. action steps, right? Yeah. I'm done trying to, Oh, let's talk about this problem. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. There's more than enough evidence that is, is yeah. being in there, but you have refused to to look at it. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, brother. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I probably won't put this in the podcast, but that faculty of color network, I was, I was, I was helping plan their conference. And the guy I was working with was one of the African professors, super cool guy. I got along great with him, yeah. but occasionally he would make remarks about women in leadership. <laughs> right. He was, he was raised to not yep. think that was okay. And right. he was having a really hard time. The woman in charge of the thing was, a, and you know, meeting with us and, he would make remarks, and I'd be like, "Fuck, really?" Like, right, <laughs> right. And and then a Korean guy I got to know from Korea, he was like, I expressed something about being angry at something. He was like, "Why are you angry? I don't understand." <laughs> like you're, you're Asian. You're you know you're. I think he said Oriental. Oh and, no, he, he didn't. English, English was a second language. You know, he he barely spoke English. Well, he was yeah, so confused. Like, yeah. what what is what is there to be angry about? You know, and I was like, wow, where to begin? Exactly, exactly. No, absolutely. And there's a sense of, of you know the you know the whites are placated with with this sense of like, oh well, see, we brought folks from the homeland and motherland, and they don't think it's that much of a problem. So. So yeah. why are y'all so upset, you know? And right. and especially if it's a pooky story, like, oh, I was living in a village and these missionaries came oh, and yeah. brought me the Gospels. Man, they love that shit. Oh, man. yeah. That's Christian orgasm material right oh, there. Oh, I'm That's telling cool. you, man. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. give it to me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a second. Like, whip it. Give me a second. Whip me, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, oh. man. Yeah. Good times. Just have to break in and point out that was the first colonizer orgasm pantomime on chapel probation. Yeah, a moment, please. Okay, moving on. Oh, I know. Well, and, and I think that's, I mean, part of that identity, right? I remember when they, um, you know, that whole, what was it? I forget what it was called. It was folks in the LGBTQ movement. You know, they were on a van and oh, not a van, but a bus, and they were touring different Christian oh, yeah. campuses and stuff. Soul Force. Soul, Soul Force. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just remember just the amount of angst that was on mm. campus by the pastors. When they came to APU. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, because they had been to several other places, right? And Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a tour of all the co- Christian colleges. Yep. That's right. Doors yeah. closed and all this stuff. And there was yeah, always yeah. this sense that, well, we're better than a, we're better than Biola, yeah. at least. You know, we'll yeah. at least we let... met with them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we met with them. So... Why, like, and then we sent them on their way. Right, exactly. <laughs> and not a goddamn thing changed, right? Yeah. They're like, we met with them. We still told them to go fuck themselves. Right. But, uh, yeah. Right. We met. What are you talking What else? Yeah. What more do you want? 
What yeah. more do you want? <laughs> and so, and what concerns me more is particularly some of the laws passed during the Trump presidency, and this just played out again at Fuller. Um, a same-sex yeah. couple was expelled. I'm sure you heard about this, and mm-hmm. they sued the school. Well, it went all the way up to the Ninth Circuit Court in in there in California, and Fuller won, mm-hmm. all because of right the Freedom of Religions Act. They're like, well, yeah, the religious exemption to Title Nine. Exa- yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I'm just like, man, just the bullshit just continues to grow. Um, and it, and 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 that for me is just like, man, y'all are really some y'all y'all hiding behind the goddamn law, like. So I don't know. It's it's just gotten me to you know take a a much harder stance against things you know people and in, in, in organizations that I support. Yeah. So while you're at AP going through all this, how did your faith change and or and was there a correlation between the the experience and your faith development? Absolutely, Absolutely it did. I mean, I think I definitely became more. I didn't know the language at the time. Because I think a lot of times we think cynical is really a bad thing. And I don't really see it like that. Mm. I've, I've always been a half glasses, half empty kind of guy. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I really don't even like most church services, because it's always like this stand yeah. your ass up, sing these happy melly go 15th century songs. And then we're going to hear this message in a very passive educational perspective. And I'm like, I just can't do that. Um but I would definitely say for me, I'm much more Afro pessimistic in that sense, in 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 the reality that, as Miguel de la Torre puts it, you know, this really theology of hopelessness in 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 the midst of trying to under, better understand a decolonized version of who God is. And again, I didn't have that language, I didn't have that that knowledge, but I know in that time there was a lot of deconstruction going on um for me. Uh, in that time, uh, because it was just like one beat down after another, one beat down. It's like, and I would just prepare myself for the next incoming class because I knew there was going to be a group of white students that were just going to fight me on every single last thing. And that was semester after semester after semester. Um, and so you know the, what they're going to say before they say it, right? Absolutely. After, if, if you do it a couple of times, absolutely. you say something and then this is where they say this. Go. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. and knowing I didn't have any institutional support, man, I was dried up by the time I, I left. I was just like, I'm just done. I'm just yeah. done. Like, you know, I'm I'm I need to get there. And, and regardless, had I not moved in 2011, um, I still was not going to come back to APU in the fall. Like the, the spring of of 20 of 2011 was going to be the last semester. I had already made that up in my mind. Like, I, I can't keep going back because. I didn't have any kind of, again, some structural support to to help me process uh, what, you know, what I was thinking about. Like I, I and, and I didn't want to end up completely depressed, anxious and miserable. Right. Um, yeah. So I was like, I, got, I need to get the hell out. But again, I, I, I it, it, it really helped usher in a sense of deconstruction uh, and a sense of strong pessimism as it, in, in regards to simplistic answers right this notion that there's a god up there wanting to control everything uh and if you pray to him it's usually always a him right i remember one time i brought up the the notion that god her she you know and it was like oh my god you know and of course people would go and run and tattle and i would dare you right I'd get shit from the provost or the assistant dean or whatever about what are you teaching in that class and i remember one time there was there was a um 
she was Korean too, man. She was second generation. And I remember she was teaching in the department. She was just like, you're not teaching black liberation power. Are you in your classes? I was like, I teach intercultural calm. What are you even talking about? Well, I just want to make sure you're not teaching black power. Cause you know, that would be bad. <laughs> what? Where does this even come from? Right. Serious. <laughs> oh man. Oh God help us. So yes, my faith was changed a lot. And, and I'm thankful for that because it really pushed me away from identifying quote unquote as an evangelical Christian. Um, mm. and, and, and really being able to garner, uh, a much stronger knowledge and, in understanding around what is faith and spirituality and religious life look like outside of the Christian world. And that all coincided with me, uh, going to AER much more consistently, American Academy of Religion, um, mm -hmm. much more consistently and really just digging into those, those areas and learning, um, from folks who were already dealing with it. And I was just like, wow, so I'm not alone in this. This is fucking great. I, I, I love it. Like, yeah. goddamn, like yeah. let's put some more language and thought <laughs> and research around this. Yeah. 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 I got to say that the Korean person, you know, there's so much anti-blackness in Asian communities that mm. don't, that doesn't get addressed. So like when I heard you just tell that story, I just, ugh, just, and and at APU, so many, not so many, a few notable Asian American faculty and staff would use like black speak, and it always yeah. made me cringe, you know. Yeah. So like, it really bothered me that there's some Asians in evangelical culture who have severe anti-blackness issues, but will still use black vernacular or black catchphrases or or um cultural references right um when it suits them because it gives them a kind of you know christian cred right and uh right. <laughs> yeah. so i gotta say i i apologize oh. for my political group of people <laughs> i don't know what asian means but you know <laughs> no man i feel you i appreciate that i yeah I, I, you know it is what it is and i know you know it's the same thing on on the black side too though man there's a lot of anti-asian hate you know, especially during yeah. this COVID time, man, that I'm trying to trying to help my my brothers and sisters on my side out as well to understand. Man, you and me, man, we got we got to fight this shit. I'm telling you. Yeah. So in my luckily in my community of arts here in L.A., you know, we've been addressing anti-blackness for a while now. That's great. Um, to, to root it out and to, to, to get to the bottom of it and to, to build bridges between the communities. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, we are not the majority of people, you know, so it's rough. During the spikes of Asian hate and violence uh, during the pandemic, Dan devoted an episode of Profane Faith to the issue. He had on two Asian American women, writers and activists, and listened to them give their perspectives. I remember I was working in the backyard of my house and listening and I was getting emotional hearing two Asian-American women and a black man talking about identity and bigotry. This is why Dan is so awesome. Um, I remember we were watching The Color of Fear because I always show that, you know, uh, in, yeah, in uh, all my intercultural comm classes. And I remember there's one white guy, you know, he's just fighting left and right about shit, man, just everything. And I remember I was like, well, so what is, I asked him the same question that Lee Manoir asked David Christensen in that there. I was like, so what is keeping you from believing? And I remember he just straight out just said, he's just like, because I don't have to. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to, nor do I want to. <laughs> and I was like, oh, 
Okay. Well, he's being honest. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, right. You know, but that was the type of right. That was the type of environment, right? And like any time you had these like multicultural days and uh, you know, like BSU or Black Student Association, whatever they were called, right at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, they were they, whatever battle they were fighting, and you know, then Black History Month would come, right? It it there would always be this sense of like, well, what what do you think? Like, what? what wait, what? Uh, okay, are you okay yeah. with this? You okay? It's like. Hey, God damn it, I'm not no damn monolith. Like, why don't you ask yeah. some other folks about this? Your other black friend. It's like, you're the black Borg. You know, right. Asian Borg. <laughs> right, right. You c- Hang on, let me tell you. Yes, we are fine with this. Uh. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, let me dial this in real quick. Have a quick board meeting. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I think, yeah. and that, that was the challenge, man. And I'll go back to the story that I was going to tell uh yeah, earlier yeah, um you know i had a good friend of mine junita uh she was uh about a year or so behind me maybe two years or so behind me in, in, in finishing up her phd and um great person great soul just uh, students took, a lot of students took her class as well her and i were definitely different in terms of our approaches to intercultural comp but to have her teach it right from an indian american perspective was like amazing and i remember mm. i forget what program it was um uh, and they started this like mission program outreach and it was a master's program as well. And it was like L.A. term, but global. I, I forget what it was yeah. called. Um, and one of the places they were going to visit was Jonita's hometown where she was raised, wow. where she went, you know, where she knew the whole environment. And, you know, she was like should I approach them about this? Like, you know, I should really be teaching this. I was like, Oh, absolutely. Junior, you gotta be a, a shoe in, you know, I was like, this is, yeah. this is your place. You know, the territory, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a no brainer. And they turned her down because she didn't have enough teaching experience and understand what missions meant. <laughs> oh dude. I mm. was so livid by seeing that. But again, mm. those were the themes, right? That, we as white cishet men know better, know better than you little yeah. nigga boys and, and nigga girls. We go, we know much better than y'all. So we're going to be able to want to teach it. Cause I remember I asked, I'm, I'm forgetting the guy's name. Uh, I think it was, it was Richard or something like that. He was the one who created the LA term program. And I was like, well, what qualifications mm-hmm. does this cat have? Like, did he grow up in the hood? Did it, you know, like what? Oh, well, you know, he put a position paper together a few years back on urban, you know, construction and everything. And I was like, what? That's it? <laughs> That's it? Again, I'm believing the school like That's they actually. That's all you need, man. So <laughs> I was just right. Exactly. That's all you need. Just one paper. That's it. Um, and it was it was just shit like that that just, just drove me the fuck insane, man. And. I was like, look, I grew up on these streets. I was in the L.A. uprisings in 92. Like, I can take people to the to the real deal. But motherfuckers didn't want that shit, man. They're like, oh, no, let's no, oh, no. let's just stay out of yeah. Inglewood. <laughs> yeah. I remember having coffee with Dan once and him telling me he was looking to pick up some more classes to teach. And I was directly involved with the inner workings of the freshman writing seminar and I knew Dan was more than qualified to teach the course. I was even the interim director of the program one semester, so I put his name in the pool. The, the, the department's response was predictable. Yeah, um, sure, sounds good. They were always looking for good freshman writing seminar teachers. 
Uh, I write in my book, we had some really awful adjuncts from the School of Business and Nursing who basically taught elementary level writing about conservative Christian topics. Dan's credentials and proven abilities were light years ahead of them. I kept asking if Dan was getting any classes, and always they were like, oh, um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. He never got to teach freshman writing seminar, and that's just, that's just a crime. Um, Absolutely. Well, like I said, I wasn't doing the hoo-ah, yes, the Lord, and throwing my wig off and shit, man. And, and it was, <laughs> and, and that was it. And, and I adjuncted in two parts. So I was in the global studies. That was supposed, and then I was, I would hop over to like the school of yeah. religion and theology and stuff, yeah. man. And so I would teach over in their youth men department, you know, of course, closely monitored. Um, yeah. But again, I met some great people. Werner Ramirez was one of those, you know, that he and I mm-hmm. still con- stay in contact with. I had him on my show and. You know, but it, and again, that was then that in that position in particular was really rough because there was a much more of a of a, you know, a, a white gaze in that space where it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, yo, you can't have no James Cone books and shit, man. So I was like, all right, I'm out. I'm out. Damn. All right. So we got time for what's what's one of the worst stories, if you haven't already told it, um, <laughs> you know, that that will just make people who listen to this feel understand uh, quintessentially our experiences oh my god i see you going through your mind like <laughs> right. 200 300 different examples <laughs> well I, th- I think it's the one that i tell um it was probably it, it it for a second it caught me off guard i think it was the one it well, i was teaching the night class intercultural calm it was on thursday nights and i remember this white dude just a ministry major and you know had all the right looks and everything came in he was just as squirrely as all get out and as soon as i opened class up he raises his hand like i ain't like i'm just like hey welcome to intercultural com you know this and this and that and my name is dr daniel whitehouse like hand right up and everything and you know he's just like professor what is and this is something i've always wanted to know what is the difference between a nigger and a black man right <laughs> So, uh, oh, it hurts, man. This, oh, God damn. <laughs> physically, this hurts. And he just like emphasized the nigger, right? He's like, the difference in nigger. I've always wondered, can you tell me? Like, and he's like into it and shit, man. And I was like, my initial reaction was just like, I'm going to slap the shit out of you, right? Like, I'm going to slap the fucking mess out of you. But of course, you can't do that because I'm just like, I ain't got good lawyers and I can't do that shit. Yeah. So, I'm trying to Something in the faculty it. handbook. Right, exactly. Can't, can't, right. can't do that. <laughs> exactly. And I remember throughout the semester, you know, he always wanted to meet and, uh, you know, connect and, and assure me that he was not a racist. Um, yeah. And that, you know, interculturalism really wasn't biblical, um, that it was put here by uh, people who were much more liberal. And uh, this was part yeah. of the, you know, I'm sure... You know wherever he's at now, he's just doing the work of the Lord, or the the work of John Wayne and, and uh, uh, Ronald Reagan. But yeah, that was probably one of the ones that that got me. Uh, you know, that's that's still I still remember that. I still remember exactly where I was at, what classroom it was in, and everything, man. So, uh, yes, sir. And the thing is, the thing is, those, those things happen, and it, it could happen in, in a lot of schools. Yeah, but at places at places like APU, it happens, and you know, you, you have no institutional support none you know there's gonna be no blowback there's gonna be no you know that kid is 
welcome the same as you and me. Right. And this, that kid is, right. has all the rights and privileges granted as a paying student of the school. Yep. Um, it, and so culturally and institutionally, that kid is, is fully welcomed. Fully. And embraced as, yep. as, as, a, as a Christian brother and, and, and potentially a leader. Oh, yeah. Oh and, yeah, and that's 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 why we would I would drive home with my hands shaking on the steering wheel yep. a lot of days. Just like yep. I have, this is all on us to to educate this kid and kids like that, right? Um, or just at least put up with that, kid. right? <laughs> um, exactly. Maybe you can't educate them. Um, exactly, exactly, exactly. And I knew that one class wasn't going to really do anything. It was like you know a drop of clean water into an ocean. And saying, "Oh, well, I think we've done to some good desalinization today." It's like, "No, nah, fuck, man, we <laughs> yeah. ain't done shit." Yeah, we got twenty gallons today. Right, right, right. So, yeah, brother, those those are one of the ones, and you know, and he was, he was, he was going into the mission field. That was his thing, right? You know, of course. just like his daddy before him, and and then his dad's dad before him, right? It's like, God damn. So, oh, oh hurts <laughs> <laughs> but i appreciate you bringing me on and talking about this i think i'm far enough away from it had this been you know 10 years ago i you know i was still trying to process a lot of this stuff and you know yeah. uh as bad as my current situation is it's 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 not and it's not apu <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the oh, benchmark man. right that's the benchmark right there so um you know it helped shape a lot of introduction to chapters that i've written in terms of stories. So there's that. Yeah. No. And I appreciate you being willing to go back through all that shit today. So Oh, absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Um, thank you for having me on. Thank you for having the space like this. I think it's important that you're having former students and faculty on here. I absolutely yeah. love it. Oh man. Yeah. It, I'm I'm so grateful you've you've come on and told started off this discussion of what we went through as faculty. Yep. The shit was rough. Yeah, it was. So, it was. You can ask my spouse too, boy. She was just like, "God damn, like you got to stop yeah, working there." <laughs> yeah, yeah, serious. So anyway, oh. I, I wish you well and uh, hope your semester is going well. Thank you, sir. And um, yeah, um, keep listening to Profane Faith because where the deep deep stuff's happening. Thank you, sir. And I will continue to promote your work as well. And thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. All right, man. Peace. All right, peace. I can't say enough about Dr. Daniel White Hodge. His empathy for his fellow humans is inspiring. And again, you got to check out Profane Faith and follow his work. Links will be in the show notes. He is yet another friend from the APU days who makes the whole experience worth the pain and stress. I'm honored to have gone through it with him. So I want to thank Dan for coming back to the story. And, ugh. My blood pressure was going up when he was telling some of those stories. Um, some of them I could relate to, and some of them were just, God damn. How? How? Why? Why? <sighs> but yes, thanks to Dr. Daniel White Hodge for coming on and being on chapel probation with all of us. So hope you all have a good week, and we'll be back next week with another episode with a professor slash administrator from APU. This episode was brought to you by Colonizer Missionary Induced Orgasms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. give it to me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Whip it. Give me a second. Whip me, man. <laughs>